Sarah, our sponsor Vionic is back today with their Vionic Vitals collection. These shoes are the most essential styles for everyday wear to get us ready for spring, which will be here before we know it. We've already talked about my Uptown Loafers and Willa Slip On Flat and your Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, but this collection also includes the Walk 23 Classic Sneaker. That is that unapologetic dad sneaker style that's so popular right now. And I was just thinking having all four styles would basically be like having a spring capsule wardrobe for your feet. Oh my gosh, that is actually such a genius idea, Megan. I love where you're going with this. You know, high quality shoes are such a classy way to elevate your wardrobe. And the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection really can be worn in your everyday mom life, whether you're running errands or dressing up for an occasion. Yeah, and let's talk about the comfort factor, Sarah. Vionic actually got started by revolutionizing medical orthotics. Today, they continue to use that science to make cute and comfortable shoes that can keep up with our active lifestyles. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 368 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers, here at last with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. (laughs) Hey, Sarah. We had a few technical issues this morning. Um, So, well, actually, and we tried to record this one a couple of days ago Uh and had major technical issues that day. So it's just been a day and and a half. It (laughs) has. Every once in a while, I think it's good to let the listener in on that. I listen to a couple of podcasts, interview podcasts, where sometimes... You can tell at the start of the interview that they've just spent 30 minutes like troubleshooting with like, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? And right. You know, to pull back the curtain a little bit, it we want to just get on and have a conversation for you all. And sometimes technology behaves and sometimes it doesn't. So we're both taking a taking a breath here (laughs) before we get into today's topic. Well, and I just had, I mean, talk about feeling dumb. And I love that the topic today is tech and devices. It could not be more fitting, Um, but I am on Eric's um, PC. I don't really ever use PC anymore. I used to, um, but I haven't in probably, geez, like 12 years, 10, 12 years. And I felt so dumb. I'm like, everything is different. I couldn't figure out where to go. His computer is ancient because it's just not very techie. And I, uh, it was something. It was figuring out because like the computer or the mics were blocked and like the mic and the the headphones got reversed. And so even though we are audio professionals, we still run into issues like this quite, you know, not all the time, but when they happen, they can stump us. Yeah. And I think um, I, I think even those more professional than we are, like those with professional studios and engineers, if you work in any kind of tech, there will always be a like can you hear me now moment? Like, Mm -hmm. is this working? Is your mic on? So anyway, anyway, listeners, we are talking about tech and devices and parenting today. We're doing another one of these glad I did wish I'd done wish I'd done episodes, which we started a couple of months ago. Um, We did one about summer and Megan, it's just a chance for you and I to gently reflect on the choices we made when our kids were younger for the benefit of the listener. And when I say gently, we do kind of divide this up into here's some things that I'm really glad I did. And then here's some things that 
with hindsight, I could have done differently. And like without judgment or without like a, a heaping like dose of regret or anything, but just with hindsight, I think hindsight can be a, a learning opportunity for us and then hopefully for you all listening. Yeah. And I also think that because tech and devices can be so loaded, there's a lot of value judgments that we culturally put on it and like different, um, you know, almost like different parenting philosophies around it. And so what I think is really interesting about this topic is there are probably things I wish I'd done that you did, Mm -hmm. but you wish you had not done, (laughs) you know what I mean? Or vice versa. So it's so personal and it really is so much about the, the, the parenting soup, the family soup that you are swimming in, I don't know, eating. That's a terrible (laughs) metaphor. I just totally mixed up, but like, there's a lot going on that might, um, that might affect your, how you individually feel about a specific choice that you made for your family, either while it's happening or down the road. Yes. I think that's a really good point. I think, um, technology and screen time is especially true, but I think that's true whether we're talking about feeding or sleeping, like the choices one family makes are very unique to that family set of circumstances. And so as always on this show, it's, it's never about like holding up one method as the one right way, but it is instructive. I think to, to talk through why we made the choices we made. And by the way, we're not just talking about like quote unquote screen time today. Um, we broadened this to be a little bit more about like technology and family culture. Um, so not just like do you give a preschooler an iPad or not? Or do you let them watch this show or not? Or how much screen time? But really the role that technology played in family culture as our kids were getting older. And yeah, what we're glad we did and what we might yeah. have done differently. So I'm excited to dig in. Me too. And I wanted to point out that uh, I think sometimes too, we can feel as though we should wish we did something differently. Oh, yeah. Um and then actually we don't. And we, when we were making notes for this episode, I started to jot something down thinking it was going to be a wish I'd done. And I got like, I wrote it out and then I thought, nope, I actually don't wish that. Yeah. I, I think that it might have been a popular thing for me to say, I wish I had done this thing, um, putting limits around something. I won't even get into it. Cause I, I had like then rejected it. I was yeah. like, actually, no, I'm take I take it back. I don't actually wish I'd done anything differently. Because like you said, the circumstances of my life at the time were that it made a lot of sense to do it that way. Yep. So hindsight's always maybe a little better than 2020, but, um, you know, we're all living in the now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Megan, spring is one of our family's busiest seasons with tons of time on the go. There are so many places to be and details to remember. And the last thing I need is the constant irritation of uncomfortable shoes. So today we're talking about the Vionic Vitals collection from our longtime sponsor, Vionic Shoes. These are the best essential shoe styles for everyday wear this season. So Katie on our team is getting ready for warmer weather in Chicagoland with a pair of Vionic's Bella Toe Post sandals. These are Vionic's best-selling flip-flop style, and they have a cute little bow on them. They come in nine great colors, but Katie chose a versatile black patent leather. They're super supportive for her high instep, and they even come in wide sizes, which is a great option. Yeah, the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection are classics that don't really go out of fashion. And because they're such great quality, they're going to last as well, even with daily wear, which mine definitely get. And I love that Vionic offers a 30-day guarantee. Wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days. But I have a feeling after those 30 days, our listeners will love their Vionic shoes so much they'll be ready to order another pair. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. 
Sarah, our sponsor, Haya, is back on the show today, and I just really love this company. Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. They're filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk most parents don't really want their growing kids eating. That's why Haya, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin, was created. That's right, Megan. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern kids' diets to provide the full-body nourishment they need. And Haya vitamins have a yummy taste kids love, too. So we were just talking to Katie on our team, Megan, and she was saying that when they get down toward the bottom of the high vitamin bottle, her boys are fighting over who gets the last one. Oh, I love it. And I also love that Katie can feel good about that, right? Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door. So parents never need to worry about running out. And we've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, Sarah. So we're going to talk for a little bit about things we're glad we did around tech and devices. Uh, What you got for us? Okay. Well, this is one that feels top of mind right now because it's, I feel like my family is enjoying the fruits of this, especially right now. So what I'm glad I did I'm glad we did, was really embrace technology trends as a family and include our kids in, I don't know, digital leisure as much as we could at their various ages. So like I have a memory of Reed playing Angry Birds when he was really little, when that um, game was really popular. Now, he wasn't allowed to play a lot for very many hours, but he was allowed to play this game that had like entered the cultural experience and like everybody was doing it. And I just, I like, I remember getting such a kick out of like his little finger dragging that pig or Mm. bird or whatever and shooting it. (laughs) You know, today this looks like Wordle. It looks like sharing funny TikToks and reels back and forth or like doing the New York Times spelling bee. Um, I think as I thought about what this glad I did really was getting, getting to like at the heart of it is I think we've tried to be pretty tech positive. I think both Brian and I are pretty transparent about what we're doing when we're on our phone or computers. So we haven't made it like, oh, this is mom and dad's thing. You can't see what I'm doing. I mean, we we try to tell the kids what we're doing. Maybe it's really boring, like we're paying a bill or maybe it's total a little embarrassing and mindless like Candy Crush or something. But I think we've tried to sort of demystify and almost neutralize this idea that like, a parent on their phone is a bad thing, but rather like these little rectangles can do an awful lot. We're not saints about it ourselves. We're not, we're not trying to be like, you know, do what I say, not what I do. Um, but rather like include them as appropriate in what we're doing. And I think now at 14, 12 and nine, we have a lot of fun with very silly, like, digital trends as a family, like including funny animal videos and all of that. And it really has become a part of family culture. And I think that started, it started young by making them feel included. I love that. I was thinking how when they're little, we're the ones who are kind of bringing them into trends. But then when they get older, there's the opportunity to let them bring us into trends. Yeah. And um, I really resisted Wordle, for example. I was just like, oh man, it's this thing everyone's doing. I don't want to do it. But then Owen one day wanted to play Wordle and he wanted to play Quirtle. And we don't do it every single day, but 
he'll kind of come up in my room sometimes and be like, hey, did you get the Wordle today? And then he wants to sit there and watch me get it because he already got it and wants to see probably how much longer it'll take me to get it than him. Um, and that's really fun. And I'm glad that I sort of, I can be a little grumpy sometimes about tech that I find to be like a waste of time or to be silly um, or to be overly popular. Like I can just be kind of grumpy about that sort of thing, but it is fun. And I'm glad, like when I let the kids bring me into something, I'm usually glad I did. Yeah. How about you? Well, I, the one I thought of that, and this is a little harder to pin down It's not exactly like a specific act, um, but it was more just like a a fluidity around screens and tech and the way it, I guess, occupied our lives. And when my kids were little, and even now, we never really defaulted to a routine around screens or a screen-oriented schedule. So there were definitely times when my kids watched a lot of TV when they were little and other times that we didn't even have cable or internet because I got really fed up with the bill and just decided to shut it off. I think it was like a year when Jake and Isaac were really little that we didn't have internet at home, no cable. We just had a few VHS tapes. Um, And I was actually talking with Isaac last night about that. And he remembers that really well. And he's like, I think it's great. I watched the Blues Clues movie like probably 300 times. It was a great movie. (laughs) So there was just something he kind of remembers about that. But, But it wasn't like, now we get up and there's TV time. And now this, this tech, you know, this screen takes us to this part of the day. And then now it's time for us to all sit down and watch a show. Like we didn't do that. And what I feel like that did is it maybe just made everyone a little more adaptable. Like yeah. if the screens all went away tomorrow, we'd all figure it out and it wouldn't be like, well, now what do we do with our time? How do we sit and ha- how do we connect with each other? If we don't have like, you know, a TV show to watch together. And I love doing that. I don't have any problem with um, any of that stuff, but it's always been like the cherry on top, not the, it's optional. It's not like the thing that's gluing us all together. Well, I love this one for you. Love this journey for you because this is one where it is totally opposite of how my family did it. And yet I can absolutely appreciate how, like, I'm glad you did that too. It, there's so many benefits <laughs> to the way you right. approached it. It, it really like again, I come back to that word neutralized. Like it took the power away from like, okay, after bath, we get to watch our one show before bed. And I, I really was very structured and very like, um, predict like a predictable expectation setting. And the there are some downsides to that too. So I don't know. I just, I'm just enjoying the fact that like, I can wholeheartedly appreciate the flexibility, the adaptability and like the removing the power of this very powerful thing that you were able to do when your kids were little. Well, and I think that there's, you know, it's a really good reminder that there are always upsides and downsides to everything. And it's really hard, maybe impossible to find a middle where you eliminate all the downsides. Like there, there's no way you yeah. could have had all the benefits of the structure and all the benefits of the free form together because it doesn't happen that way. Right. <laughs> you get one or the other, you don't really get both. And so yeah, both have benefits. Um, I think if I had tried to jump back and forth between strategies, like if it was like, we're very, you know, very structured for a week and then it's just completely like whatever the next week and then back to structure, that would have created a lot of confusion. So it's almost like picking a lane and sticking with it helped us both in the end. Yeah. And probably what we were doing is leaning into our natural superpowers and our natural tendencies and trusting our motherhood gut. Like really, yeah. if it boils down to it, we didn't know we were doing that, but we were each probably 
like picking the path that best suited our personalities, which like kind of is what it's all about. Um, Okay. Well, I have one I'm glad I did that is very specific. Like if, if this sounds good to someone else, they could apply this right to their own family or not. Um, But I am glad that we have started our kids on their quote unquote first phone by giving them an old phone that works only on Wi-Fi that really they only use within the house around the age of 10 or 11. Um, we have done this now twice um, and and probably will follow suit with the third kid. But basically, like we never there was never a like, OK, honey, like here's your first phone. Here's your phone number. It's brand new. Here's the rules around it. It was a much more like gradual on ramp. And it we really tried to make it less exciting than like, oh, my gosh, I got mm. my first phone. So it was always a hand-me-down of one of our old iPhones. It only worked on Wi-Fi. We'd like, we'd do a factory reset. We'd get them their own like iCloud email so they could send text message or, you know, like um, iCloud messages as long as they were on Wi-Fi. Um, but it was like, if I use like a bicycle analogy, it was like, here's a rusty old bike that we're going to slap some training wheels on. It doesn't go very fast. You can't really ride it anywhere, but like the driveway have fun. Um, they, it, it was still exciting to them. They got to right, like, but it is still fun because they have never had that before. That exactly. rusty old bike is their first rusty bike. Exactly. <laughs> so, and sometimes yeah. like they'd save their allowance money and get like a new case for it. And it's amazing how just the plastic case makes an 11 year old feel like they have a new phone and it's a $10 plastic case. So really they weren't interested. They didn't need a real phone yet. They didn't need a cellular plan. A mo- like we didn't have to bother with data plans. Um, they wanted to listen to music. Uh, they wanted to be able to send text messages and, you know, download some apps and feel like they had a phone. And meanwhile, as as parents, we were figuring out like, OK, how much oversight do we want over their text messages? Like, are they allowed to take this device into their room? Like all these things that parents question and like I'm still figuring out myself, but it was it felt like we had a much more, gra- like I said, gradual on-ramp to phone use. And so with our oldest, um, we didn't get a real cellular data plan, like a real phone phone until this right before eighth grade, which is pretty, I mean, that's pretty late nowadays, but it was because mm. we had this, this like, do you have a phone? Kind of. I have a phone that works only in my house, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we sort of accidentally defaulted into that to um, probably younger than you, but we always we seems like we always had an old phone lying around and that would always be like whichever kid was coming up next, you know, whichever kid was not old enough to have their own, but um, you know, well, it was eventually Clara. And the funny thing is when it was eventually Clara, it was right around the time. It's like the older boys, there weren't even smartphones when they were really little, but by the time Clara was, you know, five, six, seven years old. And I was letting her play on some of those apps. um, There was obviously a smartphone and I'm just thinking of like how much better the apps have gotten for parents today. I remember downloading some free ones that were awful, like awful animation. And they were so stupid. Like one was um, Claire just like chopped vegetables with her finger. It was just literally chopping vegetables, but it would keep her occupied for half an hour and it was free. And so I would just be always like downloading and then deleting like really crappy apps. It's kind of a funny memory on an old phone. Yeah. Love it. Well, this one for me is kind of a, a little... I don't know, walked down memory lane, but I really, and, and kind of just nostalgia. Um, I really got into some of the kids shows with them when they were little. And in fact, I really guided a lot of the television watching because I really wanted something. I spent a lot of time parked on the sofa with them, you know, just getting my work day done. 
And so I wanted something in the background that I wasn't going to hate. (laughs) And so I, you know, at times would be pretty particular about which network I would allow to be on. I knew the ones that had shows that annoyed me and the ones that I thought the shows were just really bad. Um, And so I just have memories of sitting and watching so much PBS when the big kids were littler. And then a lot of Nick Jr. when um, when it was like Will, Owen and Clara, I feel like their shows got really good. And I just, and then when Clara got a little older, I indulged her and let her watch some things like My Little Pony. And I can remember the music to that. It's like the backdrop of my young mom life. And it's just really fun and sweet to look back. And I was kind of involved in their screen time, but I was also like using my screen to help me get my work done while they were using their screens right next to me. And it was just, I mean, it's probably not ideal from a total like parenting perspective, but it worked for us. And now it's kind of fun. Like we, we all remember some of the same stuff. I love that. And, um, often in our Facebook community, moms will bond over like Peppa Pig or Bluey or Daniel Tiger. And you and I are more and more removed from any of this, but you can tell there is a, like a cultural, um, thread connecting moms of young kids who are like, yeah, listening to the soundtrack of having the TV on for their preschoolers. So I love that. I don't remember. I don't know if Yo Gabba Gabba is still on, but that was kind of the really (laughs) avant-garde show when my kids were like when my um, teenagers were really little and it was kind of subversive and weird. And parents would talk about it all the time. Like there was an, like there was a song called we don't bite our friends or something like that. And it was just funny. It was really funny. And you, and the songs were very catchy and they get stuck in your head and so that was, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, very different now. But I love that. Um, well, my next one is also TV related, but uh, moving a little bit into slightly older kid years. I am really glad that we accidentally started um, letting whoever was the oldest kid or the next kid at the time, like nine or 10 year olds, uh, watch a TV show with mom and dad like one night a week. And it happened sort of accidentally, Brian and I really like our TV time has always been very protected, like mom and dad time. And it was hard for me in the beginning to even entertain the thought that letting a kid watch with us would be fun. Like to me, I was very black and white about it. Like the kids go to bed and then Brian and I get to watch a show. And it was really like, um, it was so clearly defined as my kid free time. But, uh, Brian and I have watched survivor for 20 plus years. And, um, when Luke was like nine or 10, we started letting him just watch like a little bit with us, like a few minutes here, come down and like watch a little bit. And it felt very like grown up. And then after that, it was like a full episode once a week. And then like, eventually the pandemic happened and we started watching like amazing race and survivor as a whole family. And now we've done like Shit's Creek. We've done the good place. We've found shows. Sometimes it's a rewatch for Brian and me. Um, and I know you've talked about this, Megan, with like Arrested Development and your kids or Shit's Creek or whatever. But um, I think the glad I did is I'm glad I got over myself. I'm glad I started letting <laughs> kids watch what might have been a slightly more mature show than they were ready for. Just slightly. Like, I'm pretty conservative about that kind of thing. So it was like, ooh, um, let's watch Friends together. Like, oh, wow. Friends is not appropriate. Like, we just had to like find our way um, into these more mature bonding experiences over television. And now I can honestly say like different pairings of the family have shows that we work through and watch together and it's very enjoyable. So I'm glad we started that again, probably age nine or 10. 
Um, I think that listening to you talk about that, it just kind of brought to mind how many things, like what a big mindset shift it is to go from, this is something that is not fun to do with kids to, wow, this is actually something that is fun to do with kids. And I mean, you could apply that to so many things like going out to eat for a very long time, not fun to do with kids, a lot of work for mom. But then one day you're like, wait, actually, this is really fun. And you get stuck in that muscle memory or that, um, that like reactive place where you're just remembering what it was like when they were little and climbing all over the place or you know, when you couldn't watch the show because they're just talking or climbing up and down off your lap or whatever it is. Right. And then suddenly it's like, wait, this is fun. And sometimes it takes a little work to to like actually believe that and embrace it. Well, and I want to say one more thing about like the content itself, because I, I come from a more conservative and controlling, like what, you know, what are my kids consuming, especially when it comes to TV and movies and media. And so I think it was really good for me to let my kids watch something that might have content we'd have to have a conversation about or that I would have to explain or that I'd even regret be like, oh, wow, like that humor, like the office, like I love, I mean, we did the whole office, I think all, but there's definitely a lot of stuff in there. You're like, oof, like the cringe humor and the, (laughs) um, specifically the jokes around adult film industry. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if like saying that word triggers something in podcast land, but like the number of jokes about adult films in the office is like staggering. If you haven't had conversations with your <laughs> tween, not just about right. what that is, because I know a lot of parents are tackling that topic with their kids younger and younger, but why, why those jokes might be funny or not funny. Yes. It's really interesting. It's really interesting. Anyway, it was good for me out of my comfort zone for me, but glad I did. And I credit Brian a lot to that because he's just a little bit more relaxed. And it's like, well, if this joke is landing weird and we're all sitting here awkwardly, maybe we talk about it. Maybe we don't. Maybe we just let it roll. And, you know, I don't know. So that was a tangent. Well, and I mean, there's really no getting away from that. I've watched movies with my kids from the 80s that in my memory were like pleasant, wholesome family films that I watched with my parents. And we're five minutes in. I'm like, nope, turn it off because I was, I don't remember this scene. And I guess my parents, either I like blanked out and don't remember it at all, or the jokes flew over my head. You know, kids are watching their parents to see what their parents are laughing at and find funny, but that doesn't mean they find it funny. They don't have the context to find it funny. So maybe for them, it just doesn't sink in. Like they don't even know what is being said. Um, Or maybe this Maybe those were scenes my parents had me cover my eyes for. Or they fast forwarded. I don't remember, I guess right. is my point. Like it happened, it maybe lodged somewhere in the recesses of my brain, but it's not like that to me was not the part of the movie that stuck out. The part of the movie that stuck out was like the family going on vacation together or um, city slickers when they're like <laughs> riding cows. I had forgotten how those movies all started. So anyway, just saying, I don't think there's a, there's not a lot of ways to get away from that as you let your kids mature. Like right. that's going to happen. Well, and to add to the mix, if you have mixed age, if, if television is going to be kind of a fun family bonding thing, you're going to have a youngest. There's going to be a kid who's yep. really not quite oh, yeah. ready. You and your family of origin are a youngest, Megan, and we both have youngest. And anyone who has a youngest know that they age into media a lot younger if it's going to be a family bonding thing. So then you get to decide, like, do we watch, you know, friends, the whole family, or is that just an oldest thing? Like what, whatever the thing is you get to decide, I guess. It's funny now having 
you know, so many kids now that are older, I have more adult children than not adult children, which is crazy to me. Um, watching how that plays out in the sibling groups too, because Clara and Owen in particular have a lot of shows they watch together now. And I would say if it was just Clara, well, first of all, if, if it wasn't for her older brother wanting to watch with her, I don't think she'd even be interested in some of these things. And it's, it's TV. It's like people who do commentary on YouTube. It's kind of, there's like a big range, a lot of anime. And I will be sometimes like doing the dishes and they're in the dining room on a computer watching something. And I can hear like the language and I'm cringing and thinking, man, if, if Clara was my oldest or an only, absolutely no way would she be watching this. But Isaac's watching it or Owen's watching it anyway. And he wants to share that with Clara. She knows all these words. I'm not naive enough to think she doesn't. And I don't have to be part of it so much. Yep. So it's like, it's not like I chose it. And I'm like, it, it's just interesting to watch. Like I'm cringing. And then at the same time thinking, but this is what it is to be a youngest yep. with teenage, like older teenage siblings. So yeah. And it was the same way for me when I was 13, I was watching stuff with my older siblings that my parents probably would have flipped their lids if they'd known about. Yep. Um, I guess my last one for the glad I did kind of is almost uh, building off of my last glad I did. And this is, this is a very potentially unpopular opinion, but I'm just really glad I sort of unapologetically used screens to let me get stuff done. I had a lot going on. I had a lot of small kids under my roof. I had a full-time writing career. I had no budget for a babysitter. Um, and I, I was just getting it done. <laughs> you know, I was mindful about the kinds of TV I let the kids watch when they were little. Um, and there were definitely times of the day we just didn't have the screen on at all, but I wasn't very legalistic or structured about it. And I would just kind of make a call in the moment. Like, okay, you all have been staring at the TV. You know, that mom intuition where I walk in and they're all glassy eyed and I'm like, nope, or it's really beautiful outside. Turn it off. It could be very arbitrary. But for the most part, when I look back, TV and I'm just saying TV because none of my kids when they were really little were into games. That wasn't really a thing. And they got into like some really kind of um, benign computer games when they got a little bit older. But when they were, you know, maybe under the age of eight or nine, it was mostly TV. And it just kind of felt like a pleasant, benign presence in the home. I, when I look back, I don't I don't really feel any kind of way about it. Like it was fine, you know. Yeah. And even now, none of us are big TV watchers. We have things we like to watch. We enjoy it. I would say all of us watch and consume some kind of one-way entertainment on our devices every day, but we're not like, we don't have the TV on all the time in the background. Like we're just not that family. And so it, it doesn't feel like it backfired or had a, you know, it doesn't feel like it led to this lifetime when my kids are just staring at screens all the time, at least not in that way. And and the other thing I would say is that, um, allowing my kids to just watch a few hours of TV during the day and kind of using that as a babysitter meant that I could wrap up at a reasonable time and then do other stuff with them in the evening and not feel always torn or like I had to wait till they were asleep to get things done, which would make me grumpy and tired all the time. Like I really prioritized family time as a whole and my mental health, um, (laughs) honestly over their little eyeballs sometimes, but it worked like it, it was, it, it was like using using it to, to do what needed to be done. I would say, I would love to say I could have just told him to stay outside in the yard all day. But like, even when my kids were little, that was not neighborhood culture. People's kids were not outside playing all day. Like that's just not been a thing for a long time. So 
I remember reading that advice, like, well, just turn it off and send them out to play while you get stuff done. I mean, it's not the fifties. Like people, I would have loved if they did that, but they didn't do that. Like they, they didn't understand it and it wasn't what people were doing. So I had to work at that too. I just, I love this so much. And I hope that there is a mom or a hundred moms listening who hear what you just said and just write themselves like a, I don't know, a full permission slip to take this approach. I love that you are glad you did. And I think it's something that doesn't get talked about very much, especially in the realm of like, it's, it's a pretty high privilege to be able to control screens time so much because you are able to play with your kids all day or provide enrichment opportunities for them or take them places. And I don't think it gets said enough that sometimes prioritizing mom's income or mental health or a balance yeah. of both. Um, and, and those two things definitely went together for, yeah. in my case. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And I do think that the privilege thing is really important to talk about because I think so often when, you know, little ones aren't interacting with screens, it's because mom is able, mom and dad are able to pay somebody else to do stuff with them during the day, whether that looks like a nanny running them around, or like you said, enrichment activities or daycare or whatever it is, that's not an option for everybody. And also not everyone has the ability to be a full-time stay-at-home mom or the desire. So there's a lot to unpack there, but I don't regret it. Like I look back and think it felt pretty appropriate for us. And I think I handled it pretty well. And most Mandy, of the time. You can get a lot done when your kids are watching TV. <laughs> yeah, you sure can. <laughs> well, when we get to the wish we'd done, I'll have the corollary to this. So, um, but I'm just, yeah, I'm really glad you said that. This episode is sponsored by Olive in June, and Sarah, I am just so grateful that I have mastered the art of doing my nails at home. When I look down at my cute manicure, I feel a little more pulled together, no matter how crazy life is at the moment. Thankfully, Olive in June's Manny system makes it so easy and affordable to make Manny time a regular part of my weekly routine. Well, I know the feeling, Megan, and I think it's so fun that with Olive and June, you get to customize your Manny system with your choice of six polishes, plus their top coat is included. So Katie on our team says that she has lately been layering some of their iridescent colors over their gel-like polishes, and the final result looks super shimmery and pretty. I might have to try that this spring. Yeah, and Olive and June press-ons are another cool option. They look so real, and I think it would be a great way to test out another nail shape. A long almond shape is popular right now, and I'm kind of curious what that would look like on me. Okay, well, keep me posted on that one. Listeners, visit oliveandjune.com slash themomhour for 20% off your first Manny system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash T-H-E-M-O-M-H-O-U-R for 20% off your first Manny system. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Okay, Sarah. So this first wish I had done is very like technical, tactical. Um, and I just chalk it up to me being a little overwhelmed and, and a little ignorant about my options. But this is, I wish I had taken advantage more 
of the tools that were out there that made it easier to either limit or restrict certain kinds of screen activities um, that, that made that easier on parents. I was never very savvy about them. Um, I never felt like I had the time to figure them out. And in my marriage, I was not the more technologically um, proficient of the two of us. Not and so that, I think it was actually married to a tech guy, right? Like, right. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. he was a tech. That was like, I sort of put that in his camp. Right. And I think that there were, because he also wasn't the primary parent home all the time. What that meant was when we didn't use those tools, I took on the job of being the tech police, which is way worse. Right. <laughs> and it felt, it meant it like felt like a nag or I would sometimes just throw up my hands and be like, I don't know what they're doing. And there's, I, there's nothing I can do about it. Or I don't even know what's happening. And I just, I'm not talking like, I know neither you or I are into heavy monitoring or, or blocking spyware. everything. No, it's not spyware. that. That's not even a word, yeah. but you, yeah. No, like the, yeah. The monitoring. monitoring software. Yeah. But it's more like, I wish I had taken advantage of the things that would make the tech, the bad guy or the rule, the bad guy, instead of me being the bad guy. And I, I couldn't even name off all of the ones that were available when my kids were little, there weren't that many, but there were a few. Um, I know Amazon had one. Um, I think YouTube had some, like there was just tools that were there that would have made my job easier. Yeah. And it would have been probably wise for me to take a few hours to figure them out. Yeah. I think that's, it, that is really important to say because anything in the like quote unquote parental controls world is constantly evolving. Cause we know that the kids are discovering the tech way sooner than the parental controls are being developed. Like it's always, we're always playing catch up. So right. I, yeah, I, I don't feel particularly good at that whole category of stuff either. It does remind me in the first half of the episode, we talked a lot about TV and TV and movies are a lot easier to have like transparent um, oversight of because it's a yeah. big screen in a shared room that everybody's looking at. It's when kids go to their personal devices and get a little bit older that it, yeah, it can feel really overwhelming, whether it's the amount of time, the time of day, what kind of access they have, yes. what they're consuming. It's a lot. So, well, and I will also say that I had, um, a lopsided experience in that, um, I've been a mom for almost 25 years now. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, and for the solidly the first 12, maybe to 15 years of that, I was really only having to worry about TV and movies and internet was not something that my kids were really doing. Like they weren't really, they weren't really interacting with the internet unless I set it up for them. It wasn't like a big driver for them. And so when it switched over and things started creeping in, I wasn't savvy enough myself and I wasn't used to it. Yeah. All of a sudden I'm like, well, what do you mean? YouTube has weird things popping up. I thought it like, I've been using YouTube. I've never seen that. Well, I wasn't watching the same stuff my kids were watching. So it took me a little while to figure that out. And sometimes, you know, I'll learn about something new and think, oh man, um, like we just had that sponsor Griffin where it's like, it starts the, it like starts at the source, yeah. like through your Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi router. router. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Like, that's amazing. So that just wasn't available to me then. And so I'm not going to, I'm not beating myself about it, uh, up about it again. This is just kind of a gentle wish I'd done, but it yeah. would have been nice. And, been and nice. maybe somebody listening who feels overwhelmed is like, okay, well, I'm going to take a few minutes, research some options, sort of like, I think of it for myself as like, yeah. um, like put the grown up pants back on, like, okay, I can figure this out. And like, <laughs> it doesn't have to be the exact right thing, but I can learn a little bit about parental controls. Yeah. Okay. Well, I wish that I had been a little easier on myself. 
specifically about throwing on a show or a movie to get stuff done. So the exact, oh, like the exact yes. thing you said, the that counterpoint, you're yeah. glad, glad you did. I didn't do, and I wish I had. And I'm glad you brought up like, well, that we brought up personal devices, personal internet enabled devices versus TV and movies. Cause I had kids in 2008, 2010, 2013. Um, this is the dawn of the iPad. There were a lot of apps for preschoolers, good ones, high quality apps, but still um, a, a, a preschooler on a personal device. I am not sad. I am. I don't wish I had been more permissive with those uh, iPad type screen time sessions. I do wish I'd been easier on myself about shows and movies for the exact reason we just talked about. When it's a, a show or a movie on in a shared room, you know what they're watching a bored kid might get up and walk away if they're just like, if they've just had a little too much. I know some kids have never had too much, but some, some have like a natural limit. Um, and to your point from earlier, you can get an awful lot done. I think I took a hard line about, we had a hard line about zero screens during the week, um, for years. I mean, a decade. And it was great on the one hand. The one reason it was great is nobody ever asked ever if they could turn Mm. on a TV or a movie. So I never had battles, um, during the week at all, but I also could have probably balanced my own needs a little bit better um, and stuck with my values. Like I, it, it wouldn't have, it, it wouldn't have been an all or nothing thing. I could have allowed a little bit more Daniel Tiger, a little bit more like PBS shows or um, a Disney movie a couple times a week and use that time for myself. And so I just wish I'd been, I, I wish I had seen those shades of gray a little bit better than I did yeah. in my sort of black and white thinking about no screens during the week. Well, and I think about like a week without any screens. And I think there was probably a time in my life where I thought that was like the kind of mom I wanted to be. And then probably two days later, I was like, but it's not the kind I can be. So, (laughs) you know, and if that had been a big priority for me or like a value that I was really willing to stick it out for, of course I could have. I mean, and we all have any option available to us if we want it badly enough. In the end, I didn't see the benefit outweighing the downside. Yeah. And that's really what this is all about. It, you know? it is. And, and yeah. like constantly checking in with yourself to see is like, is this thing I'm so committed to serving me? Is it serving my family? And kind of being willing to like retool that. And I, I mean, yeah. many times on this show, longtime listeners have like asked me about this like pretty hard line that I took. And I always want to remind people like I didn't cook very many dinners. I didn't clean my house very well. Like I, there was a lot of things I didn't get done and probably an amount of just personal stress I was enduring because I didn't turn on Daniel Tiger for my kids. So I, I do wish I had just softened that approach a little. Well, this next one is also about being easy on ourselves. And this is the one that started off as a wish I'd done and completely flip-flopped. So when I started to make this note, I was saying that I wish I had taken a harder line okay. with video games. Okay. And then I sat and thought about it and was like, is that true? And looking back, given the place in my life that I was, the ages of my kids, the fact that they were into video games together and with their dad, I just wish I had not taken all on myself to feel like I was failing them by letting them do this thing that I hated and had saw no value in. 
None. I'm not a video gamer. I've never been a video gamer. I've been quite nasty (laughs) about video gaming culture in front of my kids, to my kids, in front of my ex-husband, to my ex-husband. There's a whole lot going on there that is not for this episode today. But I think if you're listening and you have a gamer spouse and you are not a gamer, you might understand a small amount of where I'm coming from. I felt judged by family for the amount that my kids played with their dad. And I took it all on myself. Like I took all of that feeling of failure, like on me as though it was my failure. And so it's not that I, I do actually in hindsight, wish my kids had played less video games when they were like the boys um, in particular from probably the ages of about 12 to about 16. That seems to be where it kind of concentrated with all of them, where I feel like it was the most potentially destructive and the most um, got in the way of other things. So I do wish they'd played less. I just wish I hadn't made it feel like my personal failure that they played as much as they did. And that's, that's like two very weird things to balance because it's really hard as a mom to say, I wish things had been different, but I wish I didn't feel like it was my job to make it different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So the good side is now they're all, all the boys at least are on the other side of 16. And I see how none of them are ruled by video games anymore. It's like it, it was a moment in time that for them has passed on. Like it's, it's now passed. I think that it can be very addictive and destructive and I've seen it happen, but fortunately I don't think it's happening to my voice. Um, and it's Clara doesn't seem to care. So that's all. That's like a big loaded thing that I think if you get it, you get it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I think that there probably weren't many rules I could have put into place to fix it. You know, like it wasn't that it was something else happening culturally, family, um, circumstances that there's probably not a whole lot I could have done in my circumstance to make a big difference. And I just wish I had recognized that, I guess. Well, and I Um, would imagine that a lot of the parenting literature floating around in these years was flying completely in the face of what it looked like inside your house, which is, can, can get us at our most vulnerable, right? Like, um, so yeah, I love it. And other and other um, extended family members and, you know, friends who had much stricter rules and things like that. Like it sometimes just felt like, oh, like I wish I had that. If it was up to me, that's what I would have. Yeah. But like the train had left the station yeah. and yeah, I wasn't yeah. on it. And I'm like running behind going, wait, wait. So anyway, I don't want to dwell on it. It's just if, if you're in that situation, I guess I just see you yeah. like I see where you're at. Well, my wish I'd done also kind of involves co-parenting around screens different than yours, but um, I have a tendency to take everything on myself and to give off a vibe like I know what I'm doing. And when it comes to parenting, that has been the default in our uh, marriage. Now, I have a co-parent who's really involved and present and hands-on in all aspects of showing up for the kids. But when it comes to things like making, I don't know, values-based decisions about food or screens or sugar or education, I it, it defaults to me. It usually then goes to some kind of conversation and the conversation is like, well, I've done a lot of thinking about this and here's what I think we should do. And my easygoing co-parent is like, well, you're probably right because you've done a lot of thinking about this and we tend to agree on things. So let's do it. Like that's the, that's the dynamic we have for better or for worse. I wish when it came to tech 
that I had involved my co-parent more earlier and had a little bit more like real substance, substantive, wow, that didn't come out right, substantive conversations from the beginning, um, including maybe letting his point of view and his own experience with playing video games and, and being a kid who watched a ton of TV as a kid, like challenge my own. So I almost wish I hadn't steamrolled the conversation around tech. Um, we just like have that pretty common dynamic where I'm a little bit stricter about tech and Brian's a little bit more laid back. And we navigate that pretty well to this day. We might have collaborated even better if we'd had some of those like really foundational conversations. And, and then here's where it also plays out. And this kind of reminds me of what you were just saying. I also then took on all of the mental load, like Mm -hmm. when it came to enforcing any of these complicated systems I had come up with painted myself into this corner, coming up with strategies, deciding like when it was time to let somebody try this new video game. So I really painted myself into this deep default parent role around tech, which wasn't really fair to either of us and probably didn't suit our skill sets. Cause guess what? My co-parent is actually a really tech positive. Um, like he has a lot of great ideas about tech. He's, he's not like, it's not like he's like, Oh, I'm not interested in that at all. Like maybe there would be another parenting issue that it would make sense for me to be the default parent. I think with tech, it actually doesn't make sense. And yet I painted myself into that corner. So that was complplicated. I guess I wish I, I, I wish I'd involved my co-parent more earlier and at a more like foundational level when it came to tech parenting. Yeah. Okay. So here's where this is going to feel kind of like I'm contradicting what I just said um, before you. Because I feel like my last one, my last wish I had done is almost the opposite of what you just said. And my last wish I had done was that I wish I'd been easier on myself about video gaming. And I stand by that. That's absolutely true. But I also wish that I had let my values be more heard part of the conversation. I feel like I was pretty passive and assumed that things would work out or that we'd get on the same page or like, I just kind of, I was just passive, more passive than I wish I had been. And it, and then it would sometimes turn into a very, like I said before as well, um, reactive thing. So one of my, I don't know if this is an Enneagram two thing, probably, but one of my personality flaws is that I can let things go for a really long time. And then when I've had enough, I get really mean. (laughs) I totally, like, I just become, you've seen it play out, Sarah, uh, when I can be very, I'm sometimes nasty, sometimes sarcastic. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes I'm just very direct. I've had enough and I'm just direct. And I think that's how it plays out with you and me and not with you, but like with us in work situations. But in the home, sometimes it would just get under my skin, get under my skin, get under my skin. And then it's like, everyone's walking on eggshells because mom just Yeah. Like unleashed and I unleashed on the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that I should have been having a conversation with a different person than I was having the conversation with. I was yelling at my kids and trying to like enforce it at the kid level. And I think it should have been more of a parenting values thing mm-hmm. that I was more front and center and demanding about. Yeah. And I I do regret that because it turned me into somebody I didn't want to be a lot of the time. And so not like I think my kids are permanently damaged because they played games, although I think they could have stood to play a lot less. It's more like my mental back and forth. And maybe it wouldn't have made any difference at all if I had stated my feelings more openly and like really said, nope, this is something I feel strongly about. Who knows? I have no idea. Um, But I kind of just feel like I didn't do that enough. So that's probably where it, it feels like it's 
it feels like it contradicts, but I guess it really doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's all part of the same, the same soup that I think is helpful to talk through. Um, well, I guess I was going to end on, uh, for both of us, do we have any wish we'd done that are completely practical that like parents listening could go out and do right now? Like right now I have this thing where we have mostly Apple devices and I have so many of those little block chargers that are the small cubes, but I have mm-hmm. so few of the faster, bigger ones. And same thing with cords. We have a million of the charging cords that you can swap out, you know, like the USB in or whatever. Yep. And they're all like two, three feet long. And I only have one that's like six feet long. So I wish <laughs> I wish I had eased this pain point or I maybe I can do this still. It's not too late for myself. Just having enough chargers, having them in all the right places. It feels like a worthy investment when you get to the stage of parenting where you have quite a few devices. Like we don't we don't need to scrimp and save on charging blocks. Right. Well, because you'll and then you'll end up going out and buying more anyway because you can't find one. So like, why not have it proactively? Um, I my kids are always making fun of me because I don't really know the difference between a USB and a USC. Like I figure it out in the moment. I'm like, you know, the one that's kind of squarish on the sides, but it's not like it's like the one I use on my Kindle. And they'll be like, okay, yes, I have one of those. So it's kind of funny where in my house I'm usually the one stealing cords from other people for their blocks. Um, But that's because I think they hoard them personally. Like I think partly that's the problem, but I don't have enough is the other problem. Eric has these little, cause he's very like proactively organized about things that I'm not. And so every now and then I'm like, oh man, that's a good idea. Even though I kind of roll my eyes, it actually is a great idea. He's got these little, um, Velcro things that slip through and then you can wrap the cord up and wrap it up with the Velcro. And it did occur to me that if I color coded it and each kind of cord had its own color Velcro, then at a glance from across the room, I could tell what cord it is. Yeah, that is a good idea. When we moved, I literally had hands full of cords that I was just like picking up and throwing in boxes and going, I don't even know what these are. I don't know if they work. I don't know what they go to. We'll figure it out on the other end. And guess what? We ain't figured it out yet. We haven't. Well, and (laughs) most charging things have like the cord, which can be swapped in and out to the block and then the blocks. And I I feel Uh like there must be a benefit to that. I get it. But like the cord doesn't do you any good if you don't have a block. So anyway. the right, yeah. yeah, this is probably a universal yeah. problem. Maybe in the future, we'll I'm just sure. like, I don't know, put our phones on the counter and they'll charge from the air or something like I'm, in, in 10 is, years. I feel like this is a obsolete. temporary issue. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, this was fun. And I hope that moms listening um, feel, I don't know, just a little reassured that no matter what choice you make, it's either reassured or very depressing that no matter what choice you make, you wish you made some different ones, but that you'll probably also look back and say, I'm really glad I did this and that that way. And, and that's all great. It's part of the conversation. Um, before we wrap up, I want to remind everyone to check out our sponsor, Auto Approve. Auto Approve can save you thousands on your auto loan. And for all of our listeners who refinance through Auto Approve, they're going to send you $100. So get your free quote and find out how much you can save at autoapprove.com slash mom hour. Again, that's autoapprove.com slash mom hour. I mean, you could use that $100 and buy yourself a bunch of good charging, long charging cords and charging. I love long- this idea. <laughs> Um, well, listeners, if you have any ideas for, um, glad I did wish I'd done themes topics. Um, this is something we want to return to every couple of months or so. Um, and so we kind of have some ideas in the bank, but I'm always open to more. 
Um, coming up, we will be back on Sunday with a more than mom kind of themed around summer camps, but summer camps for moms and like what that would be like in our fantasy world. Um, and also don't forget that we have a travel hub on the blog. It's at themomhour.com slash travel 22. We are going to start uh, releasing travel guides to the various cities where we live and our contributors live. So coming up very soon, you will have Megan and my guides for Southwest Michigan for you, Megan, and Santa Barbara for me. That's something people have asked us to write up forever. So look for those soon and check the travel hub. Um, and we will link all of that up in the show notes. So Megan, this was fun. We'll be back with everybody on Sunday. Talk to you then. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%. Sarah, I started a Substack last spring just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mama or listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N-Francis.substack.com.